the Protectors of the Wood podcast. Everything is at stake. The destruction of our planet is becoming real life. This podcast tells the story of misfit teenagers struggling to band together and help our world through this crisis. Episode number 38, The Cave Beyond Imagination. Phoebe and Jeremy meet the wise old man. Phoebe and Jeremy knew they were in a cave. The floor and the walls and the ceiling were made of stone and packed earth. But they had never imagined a cave like this one. The central space was open, with a level stone floor and a ceiling over 12 feet high, decorated by a chandelier with perhaps a dozen candles, none of them lit. Straight ahead, the ceiling curved down about four feet and extended to a stone wall at least a dozen yards away. A long wooden shelf ran along that wall, full of objects and projects open books, bunches of drying leaves, small piles of seeds, pieces of fabric and wood, small stones and jewels and tools, all lit by the late afternoon light pouring in through the open window about eight feet above. To the left, Phoebe could dimly make out an alcove with chairs and tables, surrounded by paneled walls displaying maps and pictures. To the right, the dogs were whimpering and jumping in an area with chairs and benches. Chi-Chi beckoned them forward to be seated. In the dimming light, a stone fireplace flickered with small flames. Nearby, in a carved wooden chair, an old man sat looking at them through keen, dark eyes. His weathered brown face was smooth all over with high cheekbones and a hawk nose framed by dark gray hair pulled loosely into a ponytail. He wore a white button-down shirt and his jeans were frayed and bleached almost white. He stood and took two steps forward, raising his palm to the dogs. Stay down, stay down. Father, I've brought Phoebe and Jeremy. Phoebe was stunned. Mm. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, Charles. Thank you all for taking this trouble for an old man. An old recluse who does not get out to see the world. He stood up and bowed, straight and slim, not quite as tall as Jeremy. Phoebe, Jeremy, this is John Chapman. I'm so happy to be your guest. I'm... I'm honored to be here. Hmm... Let them wash up. They've had a long journey. And uh, bring the standard tea from the cold room. They're tired and thirsty. In the bathroom off the hallway, 
Phoebe was shocked by her appearance in the mirror. She was filthy. Mud stained her shirt and pants. Her hands and neck, even the side of her face, were streaked with dirt. She was thinking, This is really happening. Yes, I'm really here. She carefully cleaned up, observing with curiosity that the basin and the toilet opened into some vast, dark, underground space. As she returned, she summoned her last reserves of energy. Back in the large room, Phoebe approached John Chapman, who had resumed his seat on the carved chair. He nodded to her and motioned to his left, where Jeremy sat on a nearby bench. She joined him there. One of the dogs crawled forward with tiny steps to nuzzle and lick the old man's hand. <laughs> yes, yes, Angel. As the best dog in the land. The king of an angel band. <laughs> he stroked behind the dog's ears. Charles and I have our dogs, and Wendy has her crows, to protect our land from sorrow. He looked at Phoebe and Jeremy. Do you know my daughter Wendy? I do. I haven't seen her in a long time. But she's known my family for many years. Mm, of course. Mm. His eyes moved to Jeremy. Uh, I've only moved to Middletown this past year. I live and work with my cousin Jim. I've never met your daughter. Mm. Jim has rewarded all the trust I've given him over the many years. I'm hoping you can follow in his footsteps. I see you have the talent, great talent, for understanding the land. Jeremy looked up and smiled. The compliment clearly pleased him. Chi-Chi reappeared with a tray and he handed them large cups of tea. They took a few greedy swallows and felt their energy revive. We need every moment of our time together. When you reach my years, you will see there are only a few things you have the time left to do. And you must choose the most important and not delay. So I will come to right to the heart of the matter. A group, a large band of us, are carrying this project, this treasure, this life's work, and have reached a stage where we must hand our hopes and responsibilities to the next generation. And not only that, we also know that the time has come to spread what we have learned and preserved from the past and let our knowledge go out into the modern world. A mission presents itself before us. It may sound overly grand, but we believe our desperate world needs us. Will some of you accept the burden? 
Can you learn to carry it through and head it forward in your turn? We dearly hope so and have decided to act, wondering who might prove worthy. As the saying goes, by their fruits shall you know them. And behold, you seek us out. You find us here on our mysterious island in the midst of the modern world. He nodded to his guests. So with your permission, we will take a step today. You, Jeremy, will begin to learn from Charles the duties of a protector and will assist Jim and others in our responsibility. And you, Phoebe, will spend time with me to get a better understanding of who we are and what your future may hold. We have very little time. You will eat later with Phoebe's parents and Charles will guide you out to sunrise. Penny and Jim know you are safe. He paused, looking at his guests. No one spoke. Hmm. This offer of mine must seem rather sudden to you. I know a good deal about you, and you may know little or nothing about me. <laughs> Perhaps I seem to have dropped from the sky. But you have sought us out, and just the time that we are seeking you. My decision is to seize the moment, this moment offered by fate. But if I'm mistaken in assuming your commitment to our work, please just say so, and we will still treat you as family. I'm ready. I can't think of no better future than to assist Chi-Chi and Jim as a protector. He turned to Chi-Chi and smiled and stood up. Come, bring your tea to the other side of the room with me. We're going to look at the maps and have a long talk before dinner. The old man turned to Phoebe. Mm. I think your situation is a bit more complex. You have much to give, gifts that are crucial to our future. But you must act independently, and at times without knowing where you are going. You have been called to a responsibility, a purpose. Are you aware of that? Yes, but I don't know what to do. Well, you needn't put it that strongly. You must be somewhat aware of what to do, partially aware, but there are important points where you are in the dark. How do you know this? Of course, I speak to people who know you, and I've been studying these problems for a long time. My son and daughter have talents and help me, as do others. But right now, all that is not important. For the next couple of hours, only you are important. 
We want to shed light on your concerns, your needs. We must improve your understanding and give you nourishment to last a long time. Can you really help me? I do need help. Pull that bench a little closer. Now, here you are, a person on a mission, seeking something with great determination. What is your mission? Where did it come from? Phoebe felt at a loss for a moment, and then a reply burst into her mind. My first night back in Middletown, just a couple of weeks ago, I dreamt that a strange green man appeared at my window and said, everything is at stake, everything. What did he mean? Hmm, what do you think? Then I heard Reverend Tuck say the same sort of thing about all of us, everyone on earth at this moment. We must change, Tuck said. Soon the stakes will include everything. And I realized that my dream and Reverend Tuck might be talking about the same thing. Something we could do here and now. Maybe even working at the toy store and helping Sammy might make a difference. I know it sounds foolish. Such a small thing to do when everything's at stake. Does it really matter? Ah, it matters more than you know. That is why you're here. Has your father told you nothing? My father says I need to help Abby. I received a letter from her, but I'm not sure how to find her or what I can do for her. Ah, you know Abby, my uh, grandniece. I'm not sure where she is, but time will solve that problem. I need to talk to her. You do. Yes, you do. Very much so. By the way, people are hardly ever sure, and they must make mistakes. Sometimes those mistakes are terrible, and sometimes most wonderfully for the best. We are in the hands of a higher fate. My father believes I am in the hands of Sophia, but I don't understand what he means. I do have something to offer, if you truly want to understand. You are already on the road and have the talent. What talent is that? I'm not aware of what my talent is. You can hear your fate when it speaks to you and not let it go. Could that really be true? The shadows are shifting, the sun is going down, and time is running short. What is this thing you have to offer? It is your challenge. To see it, you must go for some distance underground. It is the only way. I've known this for a while. 
there is something I need to find out. Something very important. Is this it? You will have to see for yourself. This is up to you. Phoebe stood and nodded, and the old man rose with her. The decision was made.
Thanks for listening to the Protectors of the Wood podcast. Find all our podcasts, songs, and projects on our website, www.protectorsofthewood.com. And to all the eco-warriors out there, remember that everyone can make a difference and every action counts.